It's good to see all of you here today. We appreciate your presence, and I want to join Edwin in uh, welcoming uh, the visitors and those who are here for school to start. And uh, it's a, it's an exciting time. There are a lot of uh, possibilities. I, I'm excited for uh, the young guys that are here and for some of the things that they'll be experiencing, the, the depth of knowledge that they are about to acquire and uh, the work they don't know yet that they're going to have to do to get it. Uh, but uh, it is, it's good that, that they're here and that you're here. And uh, since we're in this place, um, I, I want us to talk about the occasion today and to, to bring in some biblical application to that. You know, um, there have been times in my life where I've gone places and I wasn't sure I was in the right place. Or maybe you, have you ever gotten in a line and you're not sure that line is in the right place? Been in an airport and you can't even see, I mean, a rental car line went hundreds of people long and I wasn't even sure if I was in the right line. Is this the place you're supposed to be? Uh, you ask that question and at least five guys today may be asking the question, am I in the right place um, to get this education? to be trained to teach and to preach. And to that, I would emphatically answer yes. You guys are, you're absolutely in the right place. And I want to share with you some thoughts today that um, will encourage you, I hope, and encourage all of us as we are about the business of God's kingdom. You know, uh, concerning preachers, you don't just wake up one morning and become a preacher. Preachers aren't born, uh, they're made. And preachers, um, in order to be a preacher, they must first be a student. And so we have, uh, since 1971, the elders of this congregation a long time ago put in place to start a place here where we can train men to preach. And uh, a lot of hard work, a lot of planning, a lot of money has been expended by this group of folks here so that that can become a reality. And it has been for 43 years now. And, um, you know, schools of preaching aren't anything new. There have been schools of preaching. Well, go back to the Old Testament. There was a school of preaching of sorts. The schools of the prophets where uh, the prophets clustered together and uh, men like Elijah and Samuel and uh, some others uh, worked with them and instructed them and taught them. And uh, that's what we're about here. Uh, the school is not something that's independent. It's a work of this congregation. It is our intent to train men. And in that respect... This congregation is unlike just about any congregation you'll find. Few have produced as many preachers for our brotherhood as this place right here. And so there's a lot to be said about that. But I want to just share with you the importance of preaching. And then I want to say a few words to the five men and the returning guys that are here. And I want to say something to the congregation as well. But just on the the topic of the importance of preaching, I I don't think that I need to tell you this, but as Peter said on occasion, I just want to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. I know you already know this, but um, preaching the gospel is a focus of this church. 
it, it, is, it is not on the back burner, but training men to preach and the advancement of the gospel of Christ to this community and throughout the world is a priority to this church. I think it can happen that churches lose their way. I think we can begin uh, get <clears throat> so involved in other things that we begin to look inwardly and, and it becomes more of a social thing and, and we enjoy each other's company so much. I mean, we have so many things in common that just the camaraderie and the fellowship that we have soon becomes everything. And it's not everything. It, it is a great thing. But there's also the mission. We call it the Great Commission. Before Jesus left in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he commanded that we take the gospel to the whole world and we preach it and we baptize those who believe it. That mission was repeated in every one of the gospel accounts. And I want us to see something. If you have your Bible, look to Luke chapter 10. I want you to see a statement that is made in Luke chapter 10. Because again, it's emphasis, emphasis, it's focus. Luke chapter 10, look at verse 2. This is when Jesus appointed 70 men and he sent them out two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray, pray the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I want you to notice what he did not say. Jesus, when he was assigning these men and giving them this commission and telling them, go out, he did not say, guys, listen, pray that the harvest will be great. He didn't say, pray for the harvest. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing to pray for. But in this context, what did, he pray, what did he say? He said, pray that there be laborers to work the harvest. And that's a difference. And you might say, well, you know, that's not a big difference. What's the significance in that? Whether you're praying for the, those to be saved or people to go out and save them. Well, here's the difference. The difference, again, is the focus, the emphasis. One place is responsibility on me. The other place is responsibility on those folks out there in the world. And this passage isn't about the people out in the world. Jesus isn't saying, pray that they come to us. He's praying saying, pray that we go to them. And so preaching has a major focus in the teaching of Jesus, that great commission, and we as a church believe it and practice it. It is a focal point. Whatever else we may accomplish, if we're not taking the gospel to the world, we're failing Jesus. Now, let me say a few words to the the guys who are students here, and, and I, I shared some of these thoughts with you before, but some of you have, are new and haven't heard this, but I, I want you to know that as you come here for two years, you're coming into a congregation that is unlike most congregations. I really do not know but a handful of churches quite like the Carnes Congregation. This congregation has had a relationship with preachers for the last 40 plus years, 43 years, 
that is unlike any other place I know of. For the past 43 years, there have been over 400 men come to this church for two years to be trained, to be prepared, to study, and to be equipped so that they can go out all over the world and to preach the gospel. This congregation has trained... How many, I wonder if you go, how many churches, how many men leave from congregations and say, okay, well, there's this congregation. In the years it's been here, how many preachers have come from it? I'm not saying you have to have some kind of a block, you know, buster record. But there is a difference in some focus. This is a church that makes that a priority. We want to send preachers out into the world. And uh, last year, I did a survey just out of my own curiosity. I sent out an email, and I asked the people in the congregation, and I know that I probably didn't get 100% response, and I know that not everybody has email, but I asked everybody in the congregation through email, I said, how many of you are related to a preacher, has a preacher in a family? You know, in a congregation of about 350 folks here this morning, you know that over to almost 250 people said, I've got a preacher in my family. That's incredible. I've never seen that kind of a number before in a congregation. 250 almost have uh, relations. And of those who didn't have relations, they said they could tolerate a preacher for short periods of time. So, I mean, it was really a, an overwhelming response. Um, but it's, uh, it, it's, it, it's a church that loves and has connections to preachers. Um, I want you to know that also that for the past 43 years, the people that you're sitting in the pews next to, many of whom uh, have been here for that whole time, um, they have made tremendous sacrifices so that you can be here. They've invested countless hours working and spent countless dollars and invested countless dollars in seeing to it that you have the best equipment, the best teachers, the best training, uh, the best housing. Literally millions of dollars have been invested in those of you who are here today to begin this uh, adventure. I, I know that um, there are, well, in the two years that you'll be here, there's roughly $200,000 just from this church that will be invested in your education. So I want to encourage you to go about this as a good steward. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 2, that it's required in stewards that they be found faithful. Now, he didn't say you have to be successful, but he did say you need to be faithful. And not only do you have your own supporters that have helped you to come here, and not only are there people here who have invested time and money and prayer into your success, um, you have a stewardship to them. Take your studies and the work that you're doing and the tasks that you've set your hand to, take it seriously and complete it and go forth from here serving God and his kingdom.
to the best of your ability. I want to give you that challenge as as you begin. And I want you to remember that even though you're involved in school, that this school is the work of the church. And there, I know that the load sometimes gets heavy and you have a lot of obligations. But I also hope that you'll take advantage of being a part of this congregation and getting to know the people here who love you and uh, who are concerned about your well-being and, and your future. And there are a lot of opportunities to grow and to fellowship while you'll be here for these couple years. I also want to speak to the church just for a minute. Because to the church, I want to remind you that this school, this work of the church that we engage in and sacrifice for and and do all the things that we do, um, it's, it's credited to your accounts. If you can imagine, well, turn in your Bible, turn in your Bible to Philippians chapter 4. Every once in a while, I think it's good just to re- read this passage and remind ourselves of this truth. The Apostle Paul was a missionary and he'd gone through many places and done many things. And a lot of folks helped him. But he had a special place in his heart for the church at Philippi. And here's why. Look at verse 15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. He said to the church at Philippi, guys, you have been there for me from the beginning. You have helped me when I was, time and time again, you have helped me. And then he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Have you ever heard the expression, I know you have, there are some people who can go in person doing mission work, and there are others who can go in purse by doing mission work. In other words, not everybody's able to, to go to St. Croix. Not everybody's able to go to, uh, you know, Honduras or wherever it is that we go. But there are some who are here and they can go in purse. You know, every time we go, there are those who can't go, but they disperse or help lower the cost of our our going because they want to participate as well. And for every contact that we make there and every baptism and every restoration that occurs there, these folks who have never left carns have borne fruit in that good work. Paul said, the work that I do, the, the conversions that I'm making, the churches that I'm establishing, that go, that, that gets credited to your account. It's not, I'm just accumulating all this because you support me. You get credit for this. I want the church here to be reminded and to remember. And like I said, I know you already know this, but I just want to remind you. The good that you do, the sacrifices that you make, the financial investment that you have in the education of these young men to preach. When they leave here, the people that they touch, the lives that they change, the conversions they're responsible for, 
that's credited to your account. I don't know of many congregations that are wealthier than this church. And what I mean by that, I'm not talking about what's in your back pocket. I'm, I'm talking about the spiritual dividends that you have because of your work. You have helped to train more than 400 preachers in this congregation. They've each spent two years of their lives with us, and we have influenced them and supported them, and they have gone out from here, and they're preaching the gospel all around the world. And all the good that they do is credited to your accounts. And isn't that good to know? That's, that's exciting. Sometimes we sit back and we don't think that we're doing a whole lot for the Lord and we're not bearing a whole lot of fruit and, and, and we can get down on ourselves because maybe we're not seeing the conversions that I'd like to see. But I wonder collectively what kind of conversions are taking place from those 400 men who have left here, who were trained here, and whom you supported here. The work that they're doing... That's credited to your accounts. And so I, I want us both to be encouraged. I, I want the students here to be thankful to the folks that are sitting in these pews. They've made tremendous sacrifice for you, and they love you, and they will be behind you and help you in whatever way you need help for the next two years. And to those of you who are members of the congregation and have been for years, your work is appreciated, it's noted, and God counts it to your account. The work that you're doing is not just dollars and cents that you put into a collection plate right here, but it is continued in the work that these men are doing wherever they're located, even today. Um, that should be encouraging. May we together continue the work of the kingdom. There's much to do. There's still a lost world. And when we look at the things that are taking place in our society and, and the moral downgrade that we seem to be on and the momentum that we're gaining in the wrong direction, folks, we need more and more people urgently to stand up and speak the truth. And, and reveal God's will on moral issues. There are people who are compassless. They need the word of the Lord. They don't know where to turn. And we are those people who have that, that compass. And so let's be about the business that God has given us. Good preachers, they aren't born. They're made. And this congregation makes them. And for that I'm thankful. And uh, I'm looking for, and I'm excited as well for those who are here, because I know the good that can be done for them while they're here. If, um, uh, you know, uh, when a number of years ago, and I'll close with this, a number of years ago, a man uh, would always pray, and I could count on him saying this. Whenever he'd pray, he would pray for me in all of his public prayers. And he would say at the end of the prayer, Lord... Wear him out in your service. I didn't know quite how to take that. 
uh, I always wanted to say, and some of the rest of you too. You know, I, I wanted to amend that. But listen, what if instead of praying, Lord, wear Steve out in your service, what if we revised that and said, Lord, may we all be used up in your service. May we all die empty and spent in service to you. That's what we ought to be praying. And let's live toward that end. If you're here this morning and you're not yet a child of God, why don't you begin today this journey that will eventually lead you to the Father? If you haven't yet placed your faith in Jesus Christ, turn from your sins and been baptized. Uh, make that decision today. Don't put it off any longer. You know what the Lord wants you to do. He said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you haven't done that, trust him. And we'll baptize you into Christ this morning. If you're a child of God already, but unfaithful, and it's time to come home. It's time to renew your journey, your walk with Christ, so that someday you can go to heaven. We'll pray with you to that end if you'll come as we stand together and sing.